Okay. Roger, 10-4. <laughs> 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 Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Well, let's get her started then. You know, get going. Let's get this party started. Go. Um, before we start the official show, I would like to share something with you, too. I, I feel like I was at a breakfast buffet yesterday morning. And uh, on offer, they had a, a um, omelet station. There was too many. And there was too many people on the omelet station line for me. So I was like, ah. Anyway, here's what my breakfast consisted of. And I, I think it must, must go back to my childhood. So they had uh, hash browns, and then they had mm-hmm. bacon, and then they had sausages and some okay. fruit. I just seem to be powerless when it comes to sausages and bacon. Like, I can like, there's a normal amount you're supposed to take, and I just can't. I just don't know what it is. I, I, if there's something I'm going to overeat, that's it. it that's what it is for me. Is that the same for you? Or is there some other food? Like I was thinking of that, like there's a lot of foods I can just pass by. But when it comes to big juicy sausages and endless amounts of bacon, <laughs> like again, maybe it's because I never was allowed it as a kid or I don't know. Fuck. Well, um, I'll uh, answer first. I've never been a big bacon fan because I hate cooking it because of all the grease and the oil. What do you do with it? I hate that. Never been a big bacon fan. I'm not a fan of the breakfast sausage either. The little ones they taste. No, no. These were big. These were big, juicy sausages. A big, juicy sausage. Eh, Dan? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Dan, a big, oversized, unwieldy... That people right. just want to talk about all no, the time. And people will say a things s- like, <laughs> can, a sausage like that. Can you believe oh. the size of the sausage in the breakfast buffet? You know, if you're going to dance on the edge, so am I. Um, <laughs> well, that's, I was, you know, can I just say, I was hoping that would spur you on to, you know, dance around the Dandoran dick uh, uh, edges, but you don't seem to want to participate. Oh, I just cut a rug there. Oh, you did, baby. Um, 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 yeah, uh, big normal sausages I like. I don't like the little breakfast sausages. For some reason, they always taste weird to me. Yeah. And again, bacon is, uh, no, nah, it's uh, not a big thing to me. Okay. What about you, Daniel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit more into bacon than uh, sausages. They, uh <laughs> The, you know those those uh, breakfast sausages. The ones I really can't stand. The ones have uh, maple syrup on the outside of them. They just it just I doesn't agree. work for me. Yeah, no. I don't like. There's don't food like, out there. I don't, that I I don't love like anything. I don't like anything that's supposed to be that's salty or they're supposed to be salty. They they try and make sweet and salty. Anyway, yeah, like, but honey garlic ribs like yeah. anything. Honey garlic wings or ribs that they it. It turns my stomach. Yeah, anything that's savory that they try and make sweet. But Dan, I was going to say like it's it's that thing, and these and this wasn't like hotel crappy bacon, and this was really well done. And and I never got to the omelet station because it was the lineup was too big. But I I went back for I had two sausages and a whole thing of bacon, and then I went back. What's a, th- what's a thing of bacon? Like I, mean, I don't know, four. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I had a pound of bacon. No, it probably in the end I did. But man, I went back and got a couple more sausages. Anyway, it wasn't the healthiest of breakfast, but I just realized maybe the, again, I maybe it's something I didn't get to have as a kid or Yeah. See, I could do that with a with uh with uh 
uh, creme brulee. You know creme brulee, the, mm-hmm. the dessert with the, yes. the uh, sugar on top for some the reason. hard top, yes. Yeah, some reason I could, you know, if there was, if you lined up, you know, five five creme brulee. Oh, I see. Uh, you couldn't resist them. I mean, I, I would just go through them and would, why wouldn't I? Um, yeah, Doll yeah, makes a good. nice, Doll makes a nice creme brulee. She gets the little torch on the top and the whole deal. Yeah. That's a pretty mm-hmm. fancy thing to make. Although, I was, when you were talking about it, Dan, I, I, I like them. I mean, I, I could probably have a couple, but what kind of what kind of buffets are you going to where they, <laughs> where they offer a creme brulee station? <clears throat> Goddamn Dan Duran. He's fancy. <clears throat> my favorite buffet go-to thing is, you know, most buffets throughout my life have been Chinese, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. Is just the uh, naked wings. Oh, yeah. I just can eat those forever. Isn't that funny? Are you naked? But I like a lot of things. Now, even when Doll makes pancakes for the kids, I don't have syrup on them. I just have a bit of butter. I don't, I don't like the... Uh, I don't like stuff that's too dressed up. I think my wing order has changed over the years because when you know when wings first were introduced the buffalo hot wings everyone tried them but now my favorite wings are salt and pepper just you know a little um i guess they would be naked lemony pepper but but not sauced no no i agree i agree non-sauced the dry dry rubbers the dry rubbers dry rubbers (laughs) (laughs) yes the dry rubbers well there you go there's another little opening show discussion about food now here is the creme brulee buffet king, Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a pool and Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two men who keep hearing about inflation and keep thinking up jokes that they can't use. You know, inflation jokes. Mm. It's Humble and Fred. 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 Someone said love You know what I like? What do you know what? Let's talk about what you like. I like when doll makes pancakes for the kids, they love their pancakes. And then I'll just fry a couple eggs and make sure that the yolks are really runny. And then just put the two fry e- fried eggs on top of the pancake. Mm. And then poke the yolk and let it run all over the mm. pancake. I like that. Just with a little <laughs> bit of pepper. Mm. Maybe then, some hot sauce. <laughs> and then what happens? But that's what happens, and I, I enjoy that. That's, well, you know what? It sounds fantastic. Um, Lori Love... Just recently retired broadcaster Lori Love and host of Love Your Home on 5TV1. 5TV1 is going to join us today. We've talked a lot about Lori, one of our favorite broadcasters, good friend, and a very nice uh, human being. She's going to hang out with us today. Also, uh, we're going to introduce... Uh, well, it's it's he's a, a new character from a... A longtime Humble and Fred uh, sponsor, part of the Raymond James team. Uh, Tim Niblett couldn't uh, hang with us today, so we thought we'd uh, get to see, uh, get to introduce a senior advisor associate, Jay Bondi. Sherpa Jay will be with us to talk uh, some finances. And of course, our regular uh, lineup of whining and uh, 
you know, outrage, whining and outrage. That should be the name of the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a quick thing that I, I think it's because none of us have a memory. This is a, somebody. This is a, an email someone pointed out. I was because we're talking about no, that's talking about what we're going to do tomorrow. Now that summer is coming to an end, and uh, you and I, for some reason, couldn't quite get our heads around what we had done in the spring. This comes from uh, one of our longtime listeners, Paul Stockton, who says, "Hi guys. Hi guys. Uh, despite your memory, last winter the email show was on Friday." Just scroll through the old episodes to see. Cheers, Paul says. Bowel movements, irregular, resting heart rate. That would require me to have time to rest. Yeah, that was very loose, though. Yes, it was very loose. No, it was. We did some emails on Friday, but since it became structured and sponsored by Palma Pasta, it had its own day, and now it has its... You know, well, I think Paul's saying that formal segment for sure. But I think Paul's trying to say that what we did do is we did an, an, an actual recording of the email show on Friday. We did on. Yeah, because it ran Fridays. We we because we used to do. Remember, we would do Monday through Thursday and then we got so many emails. We decided to put a new show together for Fridays. This is what Paul's oh, okay. saying. But despite I'm no that, position to dispute that. <laughs> well, I only am because I've had some time to think about it. So what we're going to do tomorrow is what we did last Thursday. We're going to read some emails. We're going to have uh, our contest uh, is going to continue for another couple of weeks. You'll get a chance to win a Palma Pasta gift card. Uh, but we're not going to read emails for 45 minutes, which is what we were doing some Thursdays. And it became cumbersome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, by the way, you know, by the way, fall fall does not arrive tomorrow. You'd think it would be on the twenty first, right? But it's not. When is it, Dan? It's on Saturdays of twenty. It's September twenty third. Why is that? Happen? What's what's happening? Well, you know the the calendar is, doesn't necessarily line up to what the universe spills out. So there you go. All right. It's, a, it's in Saturday, so Saturday morning, you know, first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, whatever that, isn't it something about full moons and all that shit? No, it's the uh, summer, so the fall equinox, uh, the summer solstice. Yeah, but how they determine that? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But but isn't today or tomorrow the last day of summer, Daniel? Well, the last day would be uh, Friday. Oh. Full day, because Saturday, September 23rd at 2.50 in the morning is when... Yeah, uh, the equinox. Oh, I thought there was a couple. <laughs> there was a couple days separation. So, oh I did. I, I did. I'm not, a I'm not kidding. For the no, no. I, I was, I'm, I'm sorry. How stupid that sounds. But I just assume summer ends like September 20th or 21st. But you're saying it's no. been pushed back this year. Well, yes. It doesn't officially. It's a split second. It's it's uh, summer and then fall. But I'm saying usually it's the 21st of September is the. Yeah, roughly, and just, roughly, roughly, roughly. Yes, roughly. Yes. Okay. Well, but good. there's not a gap in between where they, you know, bring in the season. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know, Dan. I'm literally, I'm full of right now. I'm full of bacon and sausages. That must affect you in some way, for sure. There's a lot of salt there. Did oh, you find so on the course much salt. there was there was salt? That, so that, much that salt. I drank so much water. No, I played great yesterday, but it was so much water, so much salt. Oh, but I, I listen. I freely, I freely admit it was bad, and it's bad for you. 
It's just one of those foods, like with you and creme brulee. I can't resist it. I couldn't, I couldn't just have a portion like a normal man. I had to go back and get more. Anyway. Um, well, I'll tell you, some of the corn I've had this fall, the sweet corn, we had some last night. It's just been outstanding. And all, what we just wrapped it in uh, a paper towel and put it in the microwave. I mean, you know, you can go through all this barbecue stuff yeah, yeah. and the husks and everything. But in the microwave, just wrapped in uh, a wet paper towel. Paper towel. <laughs> yeah, I got it all did it. But it was just outstanding. It had a burst of uh, flavor and sweetness like uh, I think I don't know if I've ever had before. Fantastic. So that was the peaches and cream kind of corn. Uh, I don't know. No, I think it was just sweet corn. It said on the on the package. Huh? Sometimes laugh, you know. I'm, sometimes, you know, I, I enjoy this discussion. And I'm fascinated by it, but I sometimes think, you know, what is somebody who's a humble and Fred listener who's never heard our show, and then they tune in for the first time to the podcast, and then this, they're like, is they're like, is this it? Three days more. Well, I would. Is this I all there is? Someone- I hope someone listening would relate to that and go, oh, right, I've had some good corn. Oh, or you know what? I haven't had any corn this fall. I think I'll get some. And I'll look for that sweet corn that that particular character Fred was talking about. I wasn't just talking about the corn. I was talking about the bacon, the brulee, the sausages, all of it. Any of it. Same thing. Any of it. How's uh, I wrote this down because I wanted to uh, catch up with you. It's been a couple days since I've seen you. And I don't know if you've talked to Dan about this, but how are, have you ventured to the Bob Callahan Flower City Wrinkle Festival? What is it called? What are you calling it? The uh, Wrinkle City. Wrinkle City. Bob Callahan's Wrinkle City Senior Center. No, me and Dahl, we make our uh, debut tomorrow. Can't wait. And I'll report back on uh, Monday. Yep. What's tomorrow? Are you going to play some pickleball or go to a... Yeah, we're going to go into the uh, pickleball for beginners and uh, see what that's all about. Not, you know, we are sort of beginners. Like, it's got... Remember, Howard, in Mexico, it had some sort of weird rules. Not weird, but... It has rules, yeah. Not straightforward rules. You sort of got to get to know about the serving and all that and the scoring. And so we'll go over there and... uh, See what it's all about. Well, I'm really happy for you. I mean, I'm, I'm, no I'm mo- happy I've, too. I've got no mocking. Are you? <laughs> I've got <laughs> nothing to mock about it. I think it's great. Have you figured out what you're going to wear? Yeah, there's a great question. I've just got, I got three or four pairs of sort of sweat panty type uh, sweat panties. <laughs> Sweat panty type. <laughs> That's sweat something. panty type shorts and clean running shoes is all they ask. I'm sure Delise will be a major undertaking, but that's her. Well, I, if you've got some pictures of yourself in the sweat panties, please send those over. <laughs> That'd yeah. be something to see. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, you know. I'm of Mick. It's 55 up, so I'm hoping there's some competitive guys like around 60, you know, 55 to 60. I hope it's not just a whole bunch of people that, you know, are in their 70s and 80s. I want it to be somewhat competitive, but we'll see. Well, you think uh, a guy who's 71 can't take you? Maybe. Maybe. I hope. No, no, I'm just saying I hope. Like, I hope you can have good games. That's all. Oh, it'll be fine. Especially Mm. that game. Um, because it, because it's so, um, sort of low, what do they call that? Low impact aerobically mm-hmm. that there's a lot, because that's why people in their seventies yeah. and eighties 
have taken to it because you can have fun doing it without the aerobic uh, demands of, of tennis. Right. I mean, listen, it can be played by people wearing sweat panties and... Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's great, man. Good for you. I'm happy for you. Right on. So, uh, yeah, so that will happen Monday and then we'll take it from there. And then I will determine how many times I drop in based on uh, the environment. Well, you got to give it a couple of shots. I mean, you know, oh. day one's just tomorrow. Tomorrow's day one. It's going to seem awkward. You're going to be like, where do we go? Where's the bathroom in case I have to do one of the things? And, and then, you I know, wanna go, I want to go sort of hungry, too, so that after our match, we can go into the cafe and have one of those dollar ninety seven sandwiches. I want to <laughs> right. check that out. That's right. You go hungry, Freddie. Go hungry. I want to go hungry. <laughs> go hungry. I, when I went in the cafe and I saw the price list, I'm saying, this is unbelievable. I can't believe it. How good can this stuff be? And I'm going to find out. Well, report back to us on how. But so what when you say you're going to go hungry, so you'll have a little breakfast maybe after the show, but not too much. Yeah. You know what? to fill up. Not too much. <laughs> you know what I want it to be when I've finished my match. You're right. That I've got a hunger on. For so a I buck fifty attack. sandwich. See how much I can eat for ten bucks. That's going to be great. You know what? I want to just take a lot of notes, would you? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> will. Will do. Uh, speaking of expenses, I don't know if you guys remember, I was in a hospital in Mexico. Or this time, uh, well, not this time, like November of last year, I went to San Miguel de Allende, and I was there for about six days, and I started having a little bit of an issue with my heart. It was my first time in San Miguel, and it was my first time having an issue with my heart since I'd been in Phoenix, where I had a big issue with my heart. Uh, now you're up to date. So I was there in Mexico. I went to the hospital on a Saturday morning at about, uh, I'm going to say, nine, and I was released the next day. Uh, approximately middle of the day, like noon or one o'clock. And the first thing I did, because we're with the chamber plan, Freddie and I, is I got a hold of my agent and then I got a hold of the, they give you this sort of international liaison that becomes your case worker. Cases of, you know, I'm, this, this could be relatable even if you're not with the chamber plan, but if you're ever traveling, this is what you do. Is you get and then somebody takes your case and then they be and I never saw the the point I'm going to make is I never ever dealt with the hospital again for expenses. Are you with me so far? Yes. So I just got a a statement just now uh, a couple days ago as to what the one day in a Mexican hospital cost me. I have it right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. So there's two costs. One is the uh, physician emergency. So I, I went in. The first person I saw was a, you know, you, you get the liaison, not the, what do they call that, triage. Mm-hmm. Here's a little side tip for you guys, pro tip. If you're ever going to the hospital, especially if you're a man, just start pointing to your heart. You go right to the front of the line. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you, if you you if you walk in, and you say I think I'm having a heart attack. They're going to take you right away, or trouble breathing. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> no, that is a good. One. Okay. I'm having trouble what's, breathing. What's the uh, what seems to be the cause, sir? I had a lot of bacon and sausages. How about bleeding profusely with that? Well, that's yeah. always well. You would know, of course, Dan. 
Nothing, <laughs> nothing gets you to the front of the line like just blood spurting out of a wound, a self-inflicted wound. You know, um, I had a conversation with somebody about that recently, and I just remember it was Buddy Dan Bonchek who fell and broke a rib and went into the hospital and was in there for 11 or 12 hours or something. And I said, next time you're in a situation like that, go in and claim you're having trouble breathing and you'll go right to the front of the line. And Bonchek says to me, ah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't tell that lie. I don't think mm. that would be fair to other people. And I said, wow, yeah. you're impressive. <laughs> That's right. That's what he said to me. I'd do it. Here at Brampton Civic, I'd be going, <laughs> can't breathe, for heart. heart. <laughs> for, for a sprained ankle. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm just, it's so funny because, you know, there's a bit of George Costanza in you and I. And it's when, he, when he said that to you, you're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it's what? What? Uh, yeah. So for the emergency doctor who saw me for... I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. And to be fair, he also was my uh, doctor until the cardiologist came. So I got there at nine. Cardiologist didn't see me until three in the afternoon. And I was the only person in emergency from nine until three. Nobody else. That cost 1,079 Canadian dollars or 768 US dollars. And then I looked at what it cost me to stay in the hospital from 9 a.m. until noon the next day. What do you chaps think they charged? 100 Canadian. Oh, no, Fred. Probably about two grand or something like that. Oh, no, Daniel. This is is not American run American prices, American medical system. So it would be a lot cheaper than that would be tens of thousands, wouldn't it? Well... Okay, I, if I'm reading this correctly, well, that would be good if you could. Fifteen thousand six hundred and thirty-nine dollars in total, so fourteen thousand five hundred and fifty-nine dollars. What for That's a day a in a Mexican hospital? That's what it says here. Yes, fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that sounds like too. more than an American hospital. I am too. Well, or is that pesos? No, this is uh, this is from a Canadian carrier. You know, I'm going to bring this. I'm going to bring this to you today because like, I'm looking at it. You know, there's there's no way that one five six three nine dot thirty eight is that's not fifteen hundred because the Say first that again one five six three nine dot three eight that's not fifteen hundred that would be fifteen thousand. Yeah. Because if you the very first claim was seven hundred and eighty eight U.S. dollars for which translated to one thousand seventy nine Canadian. Anyway, it was a lot more money than I thought it was going to be. Is the point? I'd say, yeah. holy cow! I know, I know. So there must be. Is that like a special uh, non Mexico kind of hospital Maybe. where they they do this kind of thing? Very good question, too, Dan, because uh, there weren't a lot of Mexicans in that hospital. So I was in ICU. I was in the um, intensive care unit uh, instead of a private room, and I was the only person in intensive care for those 24 hours. Well, I could see that. Locals don't pay that. You know, Mm -hmm. if tourists are going to come down there and get sick and use their facilities, yeah, you ream them because you know that most of them are heavily uh, insured anyway. Right. So I'm, I get that. I, I, I understand. That. I'm going to bring this to you because uh, it's, it's interesting because they have the claim in U.S. dollars for the emergency physician, but mm-hmm. then they don't have the claim. 
They just put the uh, the amount in Canadian dollars. Anyway, my point, all of it was way more than I thought it was going to be. Because, you know, when I, you know, my joke was when people think of it in a Mexican hospital, it's like, you know, dirt floors and a donkey on a treadmill making, the, you know, keeping the lights on or something. You know, and just another example, because, you know, there are a lot of people that because of the cost of insurance as you get a bit older, they take chances and they go down uninsured with the, you know, the mindset, oh, I'll be fine. Nothing's yeah. going to happen to me. But it just shows you if something does. Oh, yeah. What you can be saddled with. It's still less expensive than the U.S. Uh, hospital I went to. Yeah. The Although U- if you were in there for 10 days, you're talking like 150 grand. But <laughs> but I was only but see, listen, I was in yeah. the, I was in the yeah. American hospital for six days and it was 200 grand. Right. Just so, outrageous. It is outrageous. I mean, honestly, how do they justify that? I'll tell you what, the food was great, you know. Oh, that's the cost right there. <laughs> that's right. The food was fantastic. It's a $10,000 meal. Well, there's also, there was, you know, here's the thing. They had two people in the intensive care unit and me for 24. They, they literally had somebody, two people watching over me for 24 hours plus the the cardiologist price that i'm sure is in there as well plus the fact that he came back in the middle of the night i guess he had been doing something on rounds or something and then he came back in the middle of the night to make sure i was okay so it was pretty good pretty good um care plus i would love to know beep i would love to know the price if there is a price like you know when your car is damaged the first thing when you go to the body shop sometimes they'll say is this insurance or mm. not insurance yeah exactly i'm just wondering what that price would be without insurance would it be anywhere near that but uh that would be sort of difficult to find out because you wouldn't want to go in there and say i'm not insured <laughs> well i'm going to show I'm, the thing is i'm going to run this by bill because you know uh, uh, because some of the things that he's had done didn't mm-hmm. cost this much money I know, no. I know that. Um, why don't we take a second, though, now and, uh, you know, maybe have you talk a little bit about the Chamber Plan as our sponsor. Uh, this would be a correct, uh, a good moment for a segue. Dan Duran, you're going to do the news today, I hope. Yeah, I am. Right after Lori Love or somewhere in there, I guess. Yeah, somewhere in that thing. Because right after Lori Love, we're going to have uh, Sherpa J. Bondi. And maybe after him, you could do the news. All right. All right. Good. Yes, let's talk about the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for uh, small business. Uh, you heard it. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Howard Glassman. Yeah. Wherever he travels, he ends up in intensive care. <laughs> That's true. If you want a review of all the, you know, the best intensive care units in North America, talk to Howard. Um, anyway, insured under the Chamber Plan and... Uh, as you uh, explained, it's all looked after. You're safe and secure with the travel insurance that they offer at the Chamber of Commerce uh, Group Insurance Plan. Of course, there's dental and uh, prescriptions as well. Whilst you're in Canada and uh, different levels, uh, you can buy and do certain um, uh, therapies. They have a, a, a HR component now. Mental health, where you can actually call uh, people in real time and uh, discuss uh, issues you may have and get help from there. Again, very progressive. They're ahead of the curve. Uh, they keep the product fresh and uh, new uh, because uh, that's what you do. 
and uh, you can afford it. All these small companies get together and uh, gives the image of a big company, and they can buy these insurance products at a great cost to small business. So uh, take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. You know, so far the response in week one to our Rent Electric contest at rentelectric.ca, a chance for you to get into an electric vehicle for the weekend. It's been great. A lot of people very interested in this, and I, I suspected that was going to be the point. Uh, the going to be the case, I should say. And the point is, um, it couldn't be easier for you to get a sort of extended test drive and see if an EV is what you need and, and will fit your lifestyle. Not just Teslas, there's Chevrolets, Nissans, hourly and daily rentals available, really, if you want to do this yourself. EV rentals starting at $90 a day for uh, different listeners who can, but I tell you right now, we can get you a better price. Use the voucher Humble EV and get $40 off your first rental. Call 1-800-387-9391. And all you have to do to win one of these cars for the weekend is send us an email, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Subject line, Rent Electric. And in a couple of weeks' time, we will give you an opportunity to uh, run around in something for the weekend. And, and really, it's not, you're not obligated to, but I would love to talk to you. We would love to have you on the show after or just a quick follow-up to see what your experience is like. Rentelectric.ca, subject line, Rentelectric at Humble and Fred, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. There's so much going on. See, we didn't do a show yesterday, and now I've got so much left over. What's, what's left over on your plate, or what did you want to get into before we talk to Lori Love? Um, well, we were talking about, you know, pickleball and hospitals and everything, and um, uh, this report from uh, Obesity, the journal, and this struck me because I was somewhat disappointed. It says exercising between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. is the very best for waste uh, circumference and of course that's where i gain my weight and most uh, guys do but it says you should exercise between 7 a.m and 9 a.m if you want to it's for the best results in reducing your waist and i thought well look at us we have to sit here between 7 a.m and have and for our entire lives for our entire lives now I, I, of course whenever i read something like this i think yeah okay but that's maybe for somebody that gets up at 6 a.m well what if you get up at 9 a.m or say you get up at 4 a.m wouldn't it change that window but i guess this is generally for people that work a normal or partake in a normal eight hour work day in traditional hours or whatever but uh yeah according to the journal i didn't even know there was a journal called obesity I'm going to have surprised there's only one. <laughs> um, yeah, but what they're referring to, too, is, you know, I think it's not just about who it's not about your workday. It's about your body's circadian rhythm. Right. I think yeah. that's where it is. It's like whether you get up at 9 a.m. or do shift work, they're saying that for optimal results in that window of time in a 24 hour clock. Right. But couldn't it be different for people based on your schedule? Is this what you're saying? Or you're, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. As, yeah, but that's yeah. the first thing I thought of. I'm not here's what I'm not doing. I'm not arguing with the Journal of Obesity. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that in Canada. Mm-hmm. Nearly mm-hmm. two thirds. Check this statistic out, Friedrich. Mm-hmm. I've been saving this story, and it's sort of a piggybacks on yours. Nearly two thirds of adults are overweight or suffer from obesity. 
Well, an estimated yes. one in 10 premature deaths among those 20 to 64 are directly linked to the disease of being obese. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I've heard a lot of reports, you know, this body image thing and body shaming and there's nothing wrong with being large. You know, you got to, you know, accept who you are and other people do and everything. But, I, you know, the bottom line is being you know, say excessively overweight, whatever that might be, isn't the healthiest thing. I saw a report last night on CTV News, you know, that basic thing. I've used the term, you know, eat less, move more, and bingo, you'll lose some weight. And they were totally discounting that. That's not fair because it doesn't work for everyone. And, you know, to put that pressure on people isn't, um, you know, isn't logical. And I'm thinking, well, regardless of your size that's a that's a good place to start wouldn't it be like yeah that'd be a good place to start yeah and um again i've saved this story and i i I didn't know you were going to talk about this because it's sort of as a see you know again besides forget eating sausages and bacon Mm -hmm. a new study published in the journal addictions blames the rise of junk food in north america on brands you'll love this because you're a conspiracy guy too Mm mm-hmm they, they blame it on brands that were once owned by tobacco companies. Mm. Tobacco companies were mm. forced to divest from the U.S. food industry in the 2000s, but titans of snacking, Kraft General uh, and Nabisco, um, they were once owned by cigarette merchants. So the study found that in foods from tobacco-owned companies were as much as 80% more likely, here's a phrase, to be hyper-palatable. Meaning what they did is they found a way to make junk food even more attractive to people, which, which led to a rise in North American-wide obesity. Because you've made this point, so have I, about, you know, when you go to Europe, they don't eat the way we eat. No. They don't. You know, in this report, I saw, again, discounting, um, you know, like, move more, eat less. So it's much more than that. Well, of course, we know it's much more than that. It depends on the individual. But then it went on to actually talk about options, like Ozempic being one of them and that other one, Rebulsus or whatever. And I think, isn't that interesting? They're, they're, they're bringing into question, eat less, move more. But then saying, you know, you do have, you know, there are options for those people, which is actually injections or or pills, actual medications that weren't meant for weight loss. Right. And I thought that's an interesting place where we're at, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not and I'm, I'm not surprised. Well, because, you know, we're hyper, you know, this this phrase hyper palatable. There's no doubt that something has been added to food over the last 25 years. And not just sausages and bacon, but <laughs> right. Like I, like you're not, a, you're not, you're not much of a junk food eater. I find myself, even though I've stopped smoking weed now almost a year, ever since my heart incident that cost 15 grand. But I, i I find it hard once I start to snack, like to stop. I just do like if, 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 if there's anything left in my arsenal of addiction, that's it. Yeah, I'm right now. I'm down in my rec room, my man cave, and I'm looking at a half a bag of smart food. Smart you popcorn, know, the big, big yeah, popcorn. Yeah, I love that yeah. stuff. I like the uh, cheese yeah. one. The um, the white cheese. Yeah, the white cheese one. I can't stop eating it. Well, that's that's the thing. The other day, I was down here watching 
football and Elise had bought a bag, I guess, for the kids. And I wandered up and grabbed it and brought it down here and started to make love to it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, and you get in this sort of uh, unconscious, subconscious yeah. state where you just keep eating it. And then I looked at it. They're pretty big bags. Yeah. And I think I had eaten more than half the bag. Easily. And then I looked at the calorie count on the back. Half a bag would be like 3,000 calories or something based on. No, no, not smart food. It wouldn't be. Because uh, they're only 45. If you're, you're talking about the same one, they're, they're either 45 or 60 calories a cup. There's no way it would be 3,000 calories. Well, I'm not talking about smart pop. I'm talking about the smart food. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I could get the bag and show you. No, it's like cheddar cheese. Covered. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So if you do the thing, how many calories to a cup? I thought I just punched back close to three thousand calories. <laughs> this is how this is what this is well, how you get in trouble. Absolutely. So here's what I will do, though. I'll have a uh, I'll have a I'll fill up a bowl of popcorn, and then I'll have that, and then I might also indulge in some licorice all sorts, or I might have because I like even though I don't like like honey garlic wings. We we're just talking about savory and salty, but I do like salty. Like I'll have a bowl of popcorn and a freezy or I'll have, or I'll have these, I'll have uh spits when I watch golf or I watch the bills game the other night when I watch, for some reason I'm watching sporting uh, uh, things. I like to have spits like it's a, it's, um, it's weird. Yeah. Um, how many calories would be in a freezy? They're full of sugar, aren't they? So it's just, all it is is a tube of sugar, right. a tube of ice. I'd be better off having ice cream. Yeah. Now, this smart food, I, again, this is, you know, this is prepackaged stuff and whatever. But Orville Redenbacher has this stuff where, you know, you pop it in the, uh, uh, you know, in the microwave and it's like 90 calories to a bag and there's nothing on it. I like to get it. And then what I might add is pepper and a little bit of uh, Louisiana hot sauce. I'll sprinkle, sprinkle and shake the bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, that reduces the calorie count dramatically. But again, it gets back to what you say. A lot of this stuff that's produced um, pre-dressed or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, there's something in it that makes you just keep going at it. Yeah. You know, there's a phrase. I, re- I remember this phrase when you and I first got into uh, Noom a couple of years ago. And that the phrase is storm eating. And. And I'm telling yes. you, that's how I do it. I, you, you touched on it being an almost it's like an unconscious kind of eating. And I'm not hungry. I'm just doing it almost, I think, very unconsciously, but a little bit out of boredom. Like, I just need an activity while I'm watching television. Yeah. I watched that Bills game the other night, uh, last half, and I, I, had, I had some licorice all sorts. You know, whatever they call it. I had some of that and I had some like candy and then I have uh, I had spits and then I had a freezy. <laughs> like it's just I'm sitting there like a grown man. I mean, you know, my dad was like that. My dad, you know, when he my mother passed away, my dad would sit there in the evening watching the Jays. Yeah. Just eating peanuts and eating candy. And, and I think you do it as maybe just because you're I mean, part of it is boredom, I think. I like the at Costco. I get the mixed nuts unsalted. I don't like salt on my nuts. I like them unsalted. Oh, really? You don't like salt? But I get into this thing the odd time. I go up into Lisa's uh, baking cupboard and uh, the chippets, you know, the oh, yeah, sweet yeah. dark chocolate. I, maybe I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show. And grab a handful of those and put them in with the unsalted mixed nuts. Oh, what a treat. So good. 
Um, but again, you can, you got to watch what you do. Even mixed nuts without salt. I mean, the salt's bad enough for you, but I know nuts are good um, calories for the most part, but boy, there's a lot of calories in them. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, when I golf, I always have some snacks. I eat, you know, pretty, you know, I, I try and eat a, every couple of holes just to keep your blood sugar kind of even. And I have trail mix. I have bananas. And I have, and the other day I got some cashews. And they're great. I love them. And especially with a little bit of salt on them. But they're huge calories. Oh. And you're only supposed, the thing is, you're only supposed to have like a little bit you know, oh, I know. <laughs> I'm like, That's what they say, almonds. You know, I like unsalted almonds. But oh, they yeah. say, you should have a handful. Okay, a handful. What's a handful? <laughs> exactly. Seven. Seven. I know. Have you tried to eat seven almonds? Come you on. Know, same with those cashews. Like, you're only supposed yeah. to have, like, whatever they are, 10 or 12. And I'm like, fucking packing them back. Like, a, I, I, the, the other day, I, I laughed at myself because I ate the whole thing of them during a round of golf. That's not what they were intended for. Well, at least you're getting exercise while you're doing it. But, oh, yeah. you know, seven almonds, like that, your daily intake. I would put seven in my mouth at once. <laughs> exactly. Right? Speaking of almonds, I had, uh, ch- I love chocolate covered almonds. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, as another little treat, like I'm, beca- I really got to get, see, the funny thing is, and I'm, because I'm alone a lot, when Juliet was here, I didn't do any of this. You know, we watched, you know what I mean? Like when I had another person around, I did none of it. You know who else is alone? What's that? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, even when Spencer's around, I don't do as much of it. It's just when I'm by myself. You know who ate a lot while he's alone? The whale. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've seen that. I've seen it. Yeah, that was crazy. You might be in the early stages. I am. I'm I'm a whale in training. I want to see you eat pizza like he did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lori's here. Let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, I'm definitely a whale in training, man. Uh, All right. So let's see if we can uh, get everyone's mic working and uh, get our friend Lori on. There's Lori Love. Love. Look at this. Isn't this a treat? For years, she could never be on on our show. Because she was working a morning. That's right. She was a a professional broadcaster. And now Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, you know, it's like uh, this is going to seem so pedestrian to Lori Love. Uh, For years was uh, entertaining people. In the morning, and uh, we would say, hey, maybe you'd like to come on our show. She's like, no, because I do professional radio. Uh, recently retired from, um, how many, I said 32 years that you were a... Yeah, 32. And the uh, last radio station was called? Move 105.7. Move 105.7. Well, it's our pleasure to welcome the uh, former morning host... Uh, Niagara's darling and now host of I have it right here it's called Love Your Home on Five TV One Lori Love hello Lori good morning fellas Lori you've I, been you, you've been what, what, retired for uh, how many weeks, weeks I asked I, I asked you a couple of weeks ago do you still feel like you're on holidays it, it, do you, is it in your head yet that you're retired one hundred percent. It's in my head. I am no longer collecting the paycheck. Yes. Oh, it's, that'll it's do hit it. home. It's hit home. <laughs> I have a budget now. 
<laughs> oh, do you? Oh, that's cute. Uh, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to more, I thought where Fred was going too is like, because both of us uh, had times where we lost our job uh, for a couple years and, and then went back to getting up in the morning. But those first few months of not getting up, in my case, I used to get up around 4 o'clock, 4.15. What was your wake up time? I would get up at sometime between 2.30 and 2.45, and I would leave the house at 3.30, at work for 4.30, on air, 5.30. Right, because you had an hour drive to Niagara. For a lot of people don't realize you didn't live in the Niagara areas. But but mm-hmm. so is, ha, has that started to – Have you st- are you still finding yourself waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning? 3.15. I don't know why. I've never set my alarm for 3.15, but I can't get past that 315 mark the only difference now is i don't get up like on a weekend i would get up just to keep that rhythm going oh, right so that monday morning uh i didn't feel oh my god when mm-hmm. i was the alarm went off <laughs> now i just lay there and just keep my eyes closed and i do not open my eyes again i magically fall asleep and sometime between six and six thirty now seems to be the uh the sweet spot for me good for you yeah it's What's great good? What's going to be the best for you? Again, you had that drive from Mississauga to Niagara that first morning when you wake up at 315 and look out and there's a blizzard going on and you don't have to get in your car and drive across the Skyway, which. Yeah, uh, I don't care if I ever see the Skyway Bridge. And like <laughs> you know, that sleeping thing I am for people that have done mornings. It seems to be the thing that. I don't know about you guys, but one of the first questions ever asked to me is, how did you get up? At that time yeah. of the day. And, and I would often say to people, you know, it really is one of the easiest parts of the job. Once you're sort of once you're doing it for mm-hmm. people who've never done it, it seems ridiculous. But uh, I was the same way for the longest time. I would wake up around three thirty or whatever. And, and I and but I didn't do what you did when we did the, a really early morning show. I would try and sleep in on the weekends. But what it made was Monday morning made it brutal again because you'd got a couple days to to kind of sleep. Um, well, yeah, and Lori can uh, uh, relate to this because she was part of it back in the early days because she, uh, her and Darren had a tin palace at the park for years. And um, we used to get Howard, same thing, get up at quarter to four, four o'clock, whatever it was. And then when we were young and stupid, we would go up to the tin palace on the weekend, Lori included. <laughs> and what we would do instead of going, um, you know, Getting up at four thirty, or we would stay up till four thirty. Yeah. Remember those days? I don't know I how know. we did it. So I know. Friday, like so, into Saturday morning or into Sunday morning, we'd stay up like till three, four o'clock, and then have to get up at four o'clock on the Monday. But we were young and healthy at the time, I guess. I don't know. It made a huge difference. Now, older oh, yeah. Fred, a hundred percent right. Just Friday night. Uh, went to the chick show, uh, the Dixie mm-hmm. Chicks, mm-hmm. and my two god kids and my best friend, and we stayed up till two thirty in the morning, wow. and then we were up at seven on Saturday morning, and it was like how I would never have been able to do any of that if I were in radio, mm-hmm. like on a Monday night, Tuesday night, anytime like during the week, forget it. You're in bed, at, like. I think the three-year-old next door went to bed later <laughs> than I did. Well, and your schedule. And so but, it's that, too. But yours was one. I, I've had this conversation with your husband. I mean, your schedule was way one of the more extreme ones. And that's saying something from a bunch of morning people. One of the most extreme because of that hour 
drive. Mm-hmm. You know, you, so in order to, and again, so the first question is, how do you get up in the morning? And people would always say, what time do you go to bed? But you were going to bed at eight o'clock. Yeah, I mean, sometimes him, seven. <laughs> like, like I, I would stay up. I mean, I pushed it because I, I, I had kids and I would push until nine, nine thirty, ten, and then basically go. Okay, I'm going to get six hours of sleep at night and then an hour nap in the day. But you were, you were going to bed when it was like in, in the summertime. It must have been brutal. It was horrible. That was the worst part. And then we got a pool in the backyard. I'm in bed. I can hear Darren jumping in the pool <laughs> and doing cannonballs while I'm trying to get to sleep so I can get up but, to go to work but the next But how morning. would you do that? How would you, or did your body just get used to going to bed at 7.30 or 8 o'clock? Yeah, I think I didn't nap. I was never a napper. Okay. So uh, I think that helped me be able to go to bed a bit earlier. I think if I had napped during the day, it w- I would have been able to push it and stay up later. But it was the drive in the morning. I just wanted to be alert. There's nothing worse than having to pull over on the QEW at three in the morning uh, to walk around your car three times because you're like, you're going to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, you get those nod offs oh, on yeah. the highway. And I always thought that was going to be my demise, to be honest with you. So not having to do that commute anymore is probably the best part of the job. Right. Well, and this stuff, because I remember living here at this house and driving to Young and Dundas, those winter mornings. Like, I'm a white knuckler, right? Like, if I don't feel like I'm in control. And I often used to think of you on those mornings thinking, oh, you know, Lori's driving to Niagara today. So to have that off the, uh, but again, you know, you were very committed and very, very, very successful. I mean, obviously, um, how many years did you work at the, at move in uh, St. Catharines? 22 years. It will be 22 years, uh, tomorrow. Wow. Uh, 23 years, sorry, tomorrow. Right. So almost 23 years, yeah. And, and you owned that market. You were like far yeah. and away the uh, number one uh, morning person. And as a female, I mean, as sad as it is, you fronted a morning show, which is pretty mm-hmm. unique in Canada. You did that for several years. So you got I was a- lucky. Mm-hmm. I was lucky, though. I, had, I, I didn't work with uh, any egomaniacs that made that impossible for that to happen. I worked mm-hmm. with all the guys that I worked with were awesome. I can't say enough about them. So I think that also helps. And a good management team that was headed by women. Mm-hmm. I've worked for women for a lot of years in Niagara. All my upper management uh, leaders are, are, are all women. You know, as Fred so said, kind of cool. Fred was saying like, oh, you know, to even say that out loud now seems sort of antiquated. But, you know, I started in 1977 at a, a top 40 a.m., you know, uh, hit music radio station. And there wasn't anybody on the air that was female in my life for four years until I got to Vancouver. There wasn't even because mm-hmm. we didn't have traffic in Moose Jaw, obviously. But and then I got to Vancouver again, two radio stations I worked at an AM and FM. There wasn't one female hosted um, jock show, but there was a female news person and a traffic person. That was the first women I had worked with. I mean, think mm-hmm. about that. And, and that's just how it was. Well, yeah, looking, I was. I, I didn't have that though. I came up in nineteen ninety one. Well, you're forty five years y- younger than we are. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, so I had. There were a lot of women on the air by the time I got of on the air, which I listened to and loved. Uh, so it, it was. I didn't. I was not groundbreaking in that. But no, but you know, to be part of the club. But fronting a morning show, sort of being the lead mm-hmm. of a morning show, was like even now in Toronto. I, like Josie Dye is at 
Indy 88. And yeah. I think it's the Josie Dye show. And, mm-hmm. you know, she is the morning person. And again, it's still pretty unique. Believe it or not. And Sandy P, our mutual super friend, Sandra Plagakis, is is her name? I know she's the main person in that show. Is she not in Ottawa? She is. She she fronts that show. So what's the name? What's the name of the show, though? It's just the the Kiss 105. Okay, but she's the lead person. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Angie Hill in Kitchener as right. well. I Angie. would say Angie's leading that morning show uh, on Bounce as well. So it, it, it's a big club now. It's it's a good club mm-hmm. to be part of. Yeah, for no, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, something yeah, I, to be proud of. I see here that you started at the station in uh, one week. <laughs> what a great. Uh, one week before <laughs> 9-11. You're, you're on this kind of like mm-hmm. music station and then you're just this jock and you're doing your show. Like how many shows was it before 9-11? Like actually a week or a four or five or? I believe it were, I, I think we got seven shows in and then we didn't even know a lot of the people in the radio station. And back then, that radio station was packed. I think we had probably about 80 people working at 12 right. Street in St. Catharines. It was great. The, the vibe mm-hmm. was awesome. Three radio stations broadcasting out of that one uh, old mansion that we worked in. And uh, I think that morning, maybe the guy I was working with at the time, Scott, we, didn't, we had met five people at that radio station. The morning that happened, everybody cramped in that small newsroom. Mm. It was just a different vibe after that with mm-hmm. this group of people that you witnessed and were horrified and no one went home and everybody stayed and back on the air. And yeah, it's a time I'll never forget. Yeah, did, were you actually on? Well, I guess you would, you would have been doing your show. We were. We were, no, at home. We were done at nine and it, it, it happened at 845, but we right. didn't have anybody run into our studio until about five after nine saying, get down to the newsroom. There's planes hitting these buildings in wow. New York City. So we went back on the air after that. Our, our our news chick was super young and nervous to go on and have to do all these updates. But mm-hmm. it was what radio is. Mm-hmm. It was live, keeping you informed, and people were tuned in. Yeah. As sad as it was, it was also Oh, it was a great. Well, absolutely. I totally agree. It was, a, it was one of those moments where radio shines. Yes, yes. And and one of those moments, like, again, the anniversary just a few days ago, um, watching all the stuff. And, of course, in your own mind, you rehash where was I that morning and what were we doing. And it was the same thing, just horsing around, goofy mojo. And next thing you know, we're in the middle of that. It was something else. Yeah, Evelyn yeah. Mako. Evelyn Mako was the one who came in around 845 or 848, whenever it was, and said uh, mm-hmm. she broke in and she turned on the TV. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, you did this show for so long. And, uh, you know, uh, in our notes today, it was we're talking about, of course, Fred's connected to you through Darren and, and the and trailer. And But you and I have worked with a couple of different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you worked with, and at first it was Rick Hodge. We were, I was thinking because I worked with Rick Hodge briefly at uh, 97.3 in Toronto, but it was Lumbee that I thought you, you worked with. So when, where did, because I'm Lumbee, of course, the legendary broadcaster, and I've known Jeff mm-hmm. since we were in our teens, but when, when did you work with Jeff and where was it? When I started working in at Classic Rock Y95 out of Hamilton, I was there for the flip. I was working in promo at the time. So I was there when they flipped from an easy listening station to a classic rock station, which I believe was the first one in Canada. Wow. Uh, fronted by our mutual friend, Danny Kingsbury. And uh, my 
Darren. Uh, oh, my Darren. We what what was it? I'm my sorry. Darren. <laughs> my Darren. I know. It's sounding kind of weird, but we were just friends then. It oh, were you? Weird. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, and then uh, I would think it was around, uh, it was early on because if his producer was away, I came in to produce the morning show for Lumbee. But had and you been on I the story? Like me. Had you been on the air anywhere before that, though? No, no. So that's how you kind of got into this. Yeah, I was I was a secretary at McMaster Hospital for uh, five years, went back to school because I knew that there was no way I was going to go anywhere in that environment as much as I loved it. And I made great money at this. There was just no room for any sort of promotion for me. So Lumby so knew you were so Lumby got a vibe from you in the office, thought you were funny yes. and then would you would pop into the show. Yes. Oh, cool. and I, I would I would work on I, I was the cruiser chick. So I would go out in the cruiser in the mornings and slap stickers on the back of cars and do cut ins with with Jeff and Mike in the morning. And it was a blast. I mean, I loved it. But he was also a guy that was um, not hard to work for, but I think probably a lot like what you guys would have been back in that day. And it was like you working for me, get your crap together and be aware. Don't make mistakes. So he also taught me how to prep, uh, how to over prep, how to be particular and be proud of what you're, you're putting out there. Make sure you know what you're saying. So I learned a ton from Little Lumby. No, absolutely. I even have little fits of anger like Little Lumby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I told you know what? I'll say this about Jeff and I. We both came up uh, sort of in the same structured you know, you came in with lots of show prep and you, you know, you were very, you know, I mean, listen, I was pretty particular back in the Humble and Fred early days about how things were because I was, that's how I was taught. You know, we went yep. to the sort of same school of, you know, make sure you got your shit together and the people around you are account, they have to be accountable because the bottom line is it's, it's our name on the show. And, and you know, we don't, we want it to be great. You know, that's right. the, the stories we tell about. We could always tell if an intern was going to make it with us and mm-hmm. we could always tell they weren't going to make it when one of their questions was, where do they fucking park? We're like, we don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> just, show, just show up. <laughs> um, or one would come in for an interview and we'd say, okay, see you Monday morning at 5 a.m. What? 5 a.m.? <laughs> right. Why 5 a.m.? Well, it's a morning show. And then Monday morning would arrive and you and they wouldn't show up. They that's wouldn't right. be there. Yeah. Yeah. What time do I have to come in and where do I park? Yeah. Um, so that's how it started. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and Lumbee, you know, the, a, a different show than we did, but very, very uh, production heavy. And so you would have, mm-hmm. did you eventually, again, excuse my ignorance, did you eventually get yep. onto that show? I only as fill in. Okay. And then uh, went into the morning show when Lumbee left Y95. So the, uh, I was working afternoon drive with another guy. So they moved the afternoon drive show into the morning show. Amazing. And it stayed that way until Chorus uh, bought us and fired all of us. <laughs> well, listen, man, you can't be in radio and without getting fired out. Yeah. yeah. And, True. and again, you, obviously, you know, you've told me many times you've talked about Jeff Lumby and what he taught you. And obviously he taught you well and you learned a lot because... Again, longevity is something that's rather unique in radio, too. But uh, to be part of a morning show, I mean, again, you were fired, but it wasn't long before you were rehired for St. Catharines. And again, the longevity and the legacy that you have there is pretty impressive because not a lot of people can no. you know, stick to it that long. They just can't or don't. 
Well, I love the region. I, I grew up out that way. I'm I'm a girl that grew up just outside of Dunville on a horse farm. And so that whole area in Niagara was very home for me. And I was mm-hmm. literally when I started there, I was going to stay there a year. Then I was going to Toronto. Mm-hmm. I just was going to get out. I wanted to live downtown Toronto. I wanted to live in the big city. I was going to Toronto. And then. I just got Niagara mud on me and drank a lot of Niagara wine and stayed there for 22 <laughs> years and loved it. Yeah, and and what's very unique, I mean, there's a lot of people behind the scenes in radio that retire, but very rarely do on-air people retire on their own accord, right? Yeah. I mean, sure. they say they've retired because I'm going to retire. I was just fired, so now I'm going to retire. Yeah. But mm-hmm. to actually do it, your own initiative to retire, is really, really unique in this business. Really and I, I thank my management team for that. Again, mm-hmm. they they left it up to me how we wanted all that to unfold. They had no issues with me announcing it, even right down to the last day. No, it was that's my management team. That's mm-hmm. that's credit to them. How and was I, it? You're right, Fred. I was lucky. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. and, and well, you're lucky because you you know you wanted one of the besides being talented, you had one of the key ingredients for longevity, and that's not being a douche. Um, <laughs> but, Thank uh, you, but no, you know it, it really is. I mean, you, you know, you, thank you for that, Howard. Because you, you, like, you know, yes. you don't. But it's true. I mean, you know, that's part of the ingredient of. Um, but, but I, I want to talk a little bit about your last show because I. Uh, I know we had, I, we had, I sort of sent you a note and earlier in the week and I, of course, yeah. was busy that day golfing. But uh, how was that last uh, couple of hours? It must have been uh, pretty emotional. It went by in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I bet. It was super fast. And it wasn't until I had to look at Curtis, uh, who was my uh, co-host at the, for the last four years. I, it wasn't until I looked at his big, goofy face and then I could just, I could feel it starting to come up. And I'm like, don't cry. Like I'm saying in my head, keep it together. And it's like, I just was like, <laughs> and you know, and I can't look at you right now. It was, I don't even remember what I said. Yeah. I just wanted it over at that point. I sure. just wanted it to be done. Yeah. But it was hard. It was, it was hard. Driving home was worse because I knew I was coming home to an empty house because Darren had to go and do something. Mm-hmm. So when I got home, it was like, Okay, that's the end of my career. <laughs> and then I had a glass of Prosecco and all that went away. That's right. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Oh, no, it's all good. All good. Yeah, it is because the finality of it, again, the way you did it. Like, again, I was fired and you have to find your way after that. But again, to make that decision, it's my decision. I'm picking this day. I'm leaving. I can imagine driving home. It's like that's it's over after that long and successful career so well it was funny because the original day was in may but mm -hmm. we had to extend it to august because of the melanie that was coming in to fill in for me just the Mm -hmm. way it worked right so instead of curtis having to work by himself for two three months i said well i've got nothing going on i'll just stay so Mm -hmm. when when the may date came along it was like Geez, I'd be done right now. I'm, I'm, I feel pretty good. I'm still got a couple months to go. I don't know if yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. But then final day, it was it was good. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, can relate to uh, retirement. A lot of people in our audience, of course, are uh, you know of an age. You're not. Mm-hmm. You you know you retire very very young. I mean, I can't believe you're only in your mid thirties, and all of a sudden you're on to this <laughs> next chapter. Uh, oh, I'm loving Howard. Beside uh, besides uh, <laughs> hosting uh, Love Your Home, it's uh, on Five TV One, uh, and, and is that still in production? 
Yes, I have a, one more. Sh- I have a shoot tomorrow, and then my final one for season two on Monday. Will there be a season three? I so hope so. You really my enjoy doing it. Cross. I love it. It is such a different vibe to radio. I love it. Sure. Love it. I, I, I've, I've seen it. Very impressed. It's a great show, and she's very, she's very comfortable on camera. Sure. Lori is. And tell us about the concept, because she came up with the concept. It's very clever. I was asked by a big boss at Bell uh, on the radio side to, you know, they're looking for some content for Bell 5 TV. Yeah. Can, can you think of a couple things that you might want to pitch? So I came up with three. And uh, the one that I didn't think was going to make it is the one that made it. And Mm. literally, when I walk my dog in the evening, if it's dark enough out and the lights are on in in your house, I might slow down just a little (laughs) bit to peer inside to see what the inside of your house looks like. Okay. And then if I really like it, I think, man, I'd love to just knock on the door and go in and say, can I just come in and see what the inside of your house looks like? I pitched it, and that's how it went. So we find these beautiful homes that I definitely want to go inside and see. They all have something unique about them, and we go in and take over their house for about 10 hours and have a lot of fun and shoot a show that comes down to about 10 to 12 minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, you can you can you can literally binge season one in an hour because they're 10-minute episodes. But it's a great idea. Because oh, it's yeah. a great idea. Because we, we're all curious about what's going on mm-hmm. in other people's homes anyway. It's human nature. But especially from sort of a decoration or a, a vibe mm-hmm. uh, type of thing. That's amazing. One of the other shows she's pitched was Life with Darren. But they said <laughs> mm, they've already done the Osbournes. Okay? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Listen, I, I tell you what. I, 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 I did uh, 21 days with Life with Darren. I, I'll tell you what. You'll need more than 10 minutes. <laughs> Handful, fellas. Oh, yeah. I want You'll you need more than that. 10 minutes just to, mm. so he can tell you what's wrong with him that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lori, love, love your home. Uh, and uh, besides doing, and this is, we're going to have to finish off, besides doing the show, which will hopefully be back for season three, obviously, ex broadcaster, any, uh, you know, every ex broadcaster wants to do a podcast. Does that have any interest for you? No. <laughs> Good for you. Stay you're out of it. Yeah. Stay yeah, out of it. You're, yeah, you're my one and only. Well, I don't think people realize how hard it is. You guys are successful because of how you do the show. That's why there's a, a dime a dozen that no one listens to because they're horrible. I, I just, I don't, I don't have the effort anymore to yeah. do it. But I love listening. I'm a, I'm a hundy P. I, uh-huh. I listen mm-hmm. to you buggers uh, every time you're on. So, well, we yeah. appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's not for Very everybody. Much. Yeah, you know, at some point, maybe <laughs> people can, maybe there could be like, it's almost like new porn. Why do we have to make any new porn? Why is there new podcasts? Forget it. Lori Love, exactly. thank you very much for your time today. It's been too long. We finally got Lori Love on the show. It's very exciting. Well, get your butt up to the lake and, and try and do it when I'm there next time, Howard. Okay, man. See you soon, Fred. Love okay, you both. Bye. Okay. Lori Love, See thank you, you very much. Thank you. Have, appreciate you having you on. That's awesome. Lori Love, finally on the show. Take care. Uh, Freddie, why don't you uh, give us a little update on a thing or two, and then I'll get our... Uh... Okay. Uh, how about... Uh, let's do this right now as I click through... 
Sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook at Feature Rich Poker Room, to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, we're not going to have time today, but I'm going to... I don't think so, but there's a great story I saved for you about the value... Of NFL teams. And, uh, dude, dude, I I, I shouldn't say I had no idea, but I didn't, I had no idea they were this valuable. And, and, and by the way, Buffalo, not even, it's in the like 29th or 28th. It's just crazy how much it's worth. Yeah, but what they are worth in that market is staggering when you think about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just sort of looked at this article. I said, oh, "I'll save this for Freddie," and um, I just skimmed it. it uh, the, the first ten that I looked at, all their <laughs> this is the part that made me laugh. All their valuations <clears throat> have gone up every year. And Howard, if a, if a team is worth like I think Dallas Cowboys are at the top of it, and they're worth like what four billion or yeah, and then the, and the, it's in the fours, fours and a half or something. To purchase the team, how do you purchase that with the idea that this is a good investment to make money? You know what I mean? Like, so here's my four billion. How well does that team have to perform to make that a good business proposition? Well, uh, I guess, as I said, I'm going to show you. I'm going to share the article with you later. And yeah. and what's interesting again to me is how much value keeps going up year after year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I mentioned at the uh, beginning of the show that the Sherps was away today. And rather than cancel, we thought, you know, it might be a great opportunity to meet some of the other people on the Raymond James Retirement Sherpa team. Uh, And uh, this guy can certainly uh, hold his own. He is a uh, financial advisor associate, part of the team at Raymond James here. Uh, The Sherpa size, uh, Sherpa Sherpa group, I want to say. Please say hi to Jay Bondi. Hey, Jay. Hello, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Very good, Jay. Good to see you. Now, just for the record, this is Jay Bonnie. We talked about him last week, and uh, Sherpa was giving me the gears saying that, uh, you know, Jay had asked to play golf, and I couldn't make it. And then I, the, the joke was I found out how good a golfer Jay was, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll play with him. But that, <laughs> that's not exactly the truth. But uh, let's get a little background on you. You were in the golf business, weren't you, Jay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, Howard. Uh, I, I kind of quickly uh, tell my clients, uh, a lot of them that I've had the pleasure of meeting over the years. Uh, I spent my 20s in the golf industry, uh, met Tim and, uh, and gang at, uh, at Glen Abbey Golf Club when I was there. Uh, in my 30s, the family had a uh, successful business uh, here locally in Burlington, Wave Hockey. So we ran that business successfully uh, before selling it uh, in 2018. And since then, uh, kind of entered my 40s and uh, spent uh, the first year or so as a business development. And, and Tim said, hey, do you want to hang around and do you like what you're doing? And I'm like, hey, this part's fun. Uh, talking to people, maybe golfing with them every once in a while. So, yeah, I, I, I went the long road and uh, started the financial advisory uh, training and uh, happy to say that I've been a financial advisor now for about a year and a half now. So, uh, yeah, happy to be with the team. 
Well, you're a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, right, Jay? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, to clarify, Tim is portfolio manager. Uh, oh, okay. I'm, uh, I'm not quite there yet. It's, it's mm-hmm. on the uh, on the radar, but uh, um, definitely a licensed financial advisor and, and, and happy to talk with people for sure. You, you know, this background in golf, I, don't, I mean, it's one of those things I think a lot of people in business have understood, men and women. Women sort of more of late the last 10 or 15 years, how much business gets done and what a great relationship building tool golf can be. I mean, especially and, and, and the fact that you're a good player is also a bit of, a bit a bit of an anomaly. But have you found that your background in the golf business and, of course, your own business, has that helped in terms of client relations and things? Yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, undoubtedly, Howard. It's uh, it's something that. Uh, you know, when you when you think about it, the uh, the soft skills in this industry are are the reason why I'm here. I mean, Tim brought me onto the team uh, um, for that reason. Uh, all the soft skills, all the all the abilities to interact with people, uh, maybe help them around the golf course or or help them in other aspects of their life. Um, that's that's always what I'd love to do. Uh, you know, you'd go me back, back when I was a kid. I said, hey, I'm going to be a I'm going to be a teacher when you did your uh, you, you know, your high school, what do you want to be when you grow up? So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I'm there and sort of a life coach. And, and sure, if I can help people out on the golf course still, then then that's fun as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the business then. I mean, now that you're in the uh, in the Sherpa world, your Sherpa J will call you. What, what do you think are some of the keys to a successful journey uh, when it comes to retirement and such? Yeah, I mean, great question. Uh, I mean, over the years, it's it's been very apparent that that for a client and an advisor relationship to work, um, in order for us to work together, there's got to be a an energy, a, a spirit of mutual trust, uh, respect, um, and understanding of one another. I mean, that's huge for us. Uh, we need to uh, be able to identify and, and and know what our clients' goals are in order for us to help you know get them to where where they want to be. Um, other things we like to do is, is really just try to make your money make sense to you. Uh, clearly explain a lot of this industry industry jargon that exists, uh, you know, clearly in plain language for people. And and really the most important thing we do, I find, is, is really just act as a sounding board for a lot of people. Again, a lot of our clients uh, are very successful in, in life. Um, and those people that, that have success, uh, you know, lean on others and, and trust in others to to be a sounding board for them and in some of their families, you know, at big time life events, whether it's them specifically or other members of their family, just to have that sounding board is so valuable to them. And speaking of the jargon, I-A-S-W-A-P, something to do with the team approach. What's that all about, Jay? (laughs) Uh, That's I-A-Swap is what we call it around here. So that's, it all starts with a plan. That's right. Now that I've said it that way, that industry jargon, I'm sure you've heard it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Mr. Niblett uh, may have mentioned that. Yeah, from time time to time. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's right. But, but not only do we use that with our clients in, in, in getting started with them, uh, again, we can't take them on a journey or be part of their journey really is how we look at it um, without, without the ability to understand, you know, where they're at. We also use this, though, in our practice. You know, we have, we have a team approach, as we mentioned at the top of this discussion, and, and Tim is, you know, very much the leader of our team. Uh, but he'd be the first one to tell you that that not everything gets done without our team approach. So we all kind of stay in our lanes. 
you know, Tim has his skill set, Deborah has her skill set, and, you know, they've been together 19 years, so something's wow. worked there. And, uh, you know, I've now uh, been a part of the team for, for just over five, or just over four years, closing in on five. And, yeah, we, we all get to get to know our clients and know how we as individuals can, can help them within our lane. So that's a huge part of the process. Understand what the clients are looking for, get a good understanding of, of, of what their long-term and short-term goals are, and then, you know, let's put a plan in place to, to help them achieve that. That's that's simply all we do and what we love to do. So uh, I believe his team approach is uh, fashioned after the Florida Gators. If I'm <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. That's everyone. Is, that's every, is everyone? Well, hey, we've, I haven't been to the office. Is everything in the office Gator Orange? <laughs> The walls are not Gator Orange, although the one wall in his office or, you know, the office he used to hold down as, as his main court, um, it, it was painted orange by me. So one of the one of the times <laughs> when he was south in Florida, he came back and I had painted one of his walls. That's awesome. Orange. Gator Excellent. Orange, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, that, that's all he gets. He doesn't get all the walls. No, that's funny, man. Um, but back to the idea that, you know, what you said about getting to know clients and really it. And I've been uh, the benefactor of this, and a lot of our Humble and Fred listeners have. It's really a, a philosophy there at at uh, Team Niblet that uh, you, you you have a, an empathy and you and you do get to know your clients. And really, that's what it's about. It's about it's about trusting you uh, in your role as a financial advisor associate. And then Tim, of course, the portfolio manager. That um, that's what it is. It comes down to us trusting your counsel and you having an interest in our success. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, we have a we have a kind of a concept here that we will always and and part of that we will always is, you know, we all we will always try strive to understand your financial goals, you know, carefully assess and monitor all the stuff that we do on a regular basis. Uh, understand, you know, their risk investment profile as well as your time frame. I mean, this is the details and the weeds we got into. We don't need our clients to go there at all. We just need them to tell us. Um, mm-hmm. those key points and, and those high level points and what their goals are because no one strategy works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe me, if it did, this this industry would be a whole lot easier, but it wouldn't be nearly as fun. And, and again, it isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, um, but, uh, but, but having systems in place like we do to, to deliver uh, the consistency we do is, is something we're very proud of for sure. Well, and you should be. Well said. Hey, uh, Freddie, we're, uh, we're going to get to see uh, Jay in action. <clears throat> We've got a uh, Niblet Bondi, Patterson, Glassman round set up a couple weeks from now. Yes, that should be interesting. <laughs> Will you see me on those links <laughs> there? Right. There we go. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I won't hit you with something. <laughs> to, to wrap up our golf analogy, guys, I, I, I took today as the, as the approach because my wife, I came home last night, she's like, are you nervous about being on the show for the first time? I'm like, honey, I'm, I'm going to treat it as a two and a half foot putt. You know, I know I should make it. I know I should be fine in it. But if I take some uh, attention off it, the, those two and a half footers can, uh, oh, can fall on the low side uh, <laughs> as opposed to being drilled in the center. So, well, Howard, I'll let you tell me how we did uh, Dude. Uh, when we when we connect on the golf course. Hopefully I, I, it was straight I, in the heart, I, you, but you, who knows? You were, you were at least even, if not better. Uh, there right. he is. So here, l- let me say for the first time, j.bondi at raymondjames.ca. That's j.bondi at raymondjames.ca. And uh, hopefully if you need any information. And Tim's not available right now. You can get a hold of Jay. Thanks, my friend. All the best. That was great. 
Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. See you, pal. See you, Jay. Take, Take care. care. See you in a yeah, couple we'll see you. Yeah, Exactly. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Did you hit Tim? I can't remember if you hit Tim or you hit somebody when we were playing with Tim. No, I never hit Tim. It was Bill Hurts I hit. <laughs> oh, that's Come right. on. <laughs> that's right. I forgot you hit. But with Tim, the first time we played with Tim was that the very first hole where you dumped, <laughs> where you dumped your clubs into the uh, water. No, I didn't put the brake on the cart properly, and then it took That's off right. on me. Not, not not like a driving cart. It was another. No, 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 exactly. Like a pull cart. It was a pull cart. Yeah. But it was great. Oh, it was a horrible day. It was no, a it was, it was a great it was beginning. A big, <laughs> it was a it was great a, you beginning. Know, uh, you know, big boy golf course, big boy rules, big boy behavior, and I just, you know, I was a mess. Listen, man. You know, I grew up on a, a golf course when... You know, there was the first course I played. My dad's course had grass greens, but the first one of the courses I played, we only had two courses and we had sand greens. My golf experience as a kid, there was no driving range. There was what a do you cr- mean sand greens. What's that? So in some courses on the prairies where they, they didn't have enough money for grass, what they would do is they would dump uh, oiled sand on these. It would be like, a, imagine sort of a, just a circle. You know, a couple thousand, you know, the size. So, yeah, I've not told no. you this. No, if you did, I forgot. So they're not would, wouldn't be the size of a regular green, but say like a like size of your backyard, a circle mm-hmm. with uh, oiled sand. And then what you do is everyone would hit onto the green or the sand green. And then there would be a device, almost like an upside down shovel where you would all four guys, if you were playing, would, t- would, would walk off. Let's say you were 30 feet and I was 20 feet. So we would mm-hmm. go to 30 feet and then we would, 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 would smooth a trough <laughs> to the hole. So as far as big boy golf, that's what I started on. Wow. And that's why when people always say, oh, you want to play with me? You play this course, that course. I go, dude, I grew up on the Moose Jaw Golf and Curling Club. Mm. So it's all gravy to me. That's why when you say big boy golf courses, every course I've ever played after that has been like an amazing experience because I grew up on Moose Jaw when I first started playing beside the sand greens. There was no grass outside of the fairway. It was just turned up dirt. <laughs> like you would hit your ball off the fairway and have to go get it from the gur. We called it ground under repair. It was just all it was was ground under repair. Okay, and just explain again why couldn't they have greens? What was the reason? So my my mom and dad's course did. The other one didn't have the money for greens, so it was too expensive. Oh, to groom them and to groom all, all of it. It was a cheap. It was a really shitty. Oh, little, I see. And okay. so they would. And I, a lot of courses on the prairies that couldn't afford big time grass because it's not just the planting of it; it's the it's the care of it. And it's a lot easier if you just dump a bunch of sand on it. And not it's hard to describe. I mean, it's more of a a gritty. I'm trying to describe, but it was, they oil it so that you can yeah. smooth a trough to the hole. It was quite something. Is that, courses with fescue, is that just wheat? Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason they did that, one of the reasons, speaking since you wanted to get into agronomy, one of the reasons that Scottish courses and courses here in North America use fescue grasses is they're just easier to maintain because they grow wild. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Like English gardens, people have them in their homes because they're just easy to maintain. Exactly. Pops up. And what was that word you use? Agronomy? Yeah, I wanted to get into that. I knew. I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure you wanted to go there. Well, I love agronomy. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's... Uh, and Jay's a very good golfer. Uh, he's... Uh, but he's, he's... Well, listen. We'll have a nice little fun game. It'll be uh, maybe you and I as a team against uh, Nibs and uh, Jay. You know, that's a nice group. 
And we'll have, what, have a competition, you mean? Yeah, we'll have a little competition. And how can I partake in that? How can I be part of that? Because we're gonna we'll do a little a team thing. Maybe we'll come up with this a little fun games to play. You'll, you'll be my partner. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do a little scramble that day. You know, I don't know. It'll just make it easy. Somebody will say to you that day, "Hey, Howard, what's your handicap?" And you'll point at me. <laughs> That's right. How about that for a joke? Good one. I like it. <laughs> hey, what's your handicap today? That fellow, special needs, Fred. <laughs> 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 the guy with the stump, uh, Stumpy Fred. Can I already? Tell you? I'm just thinking of the beer afterwards at the 19th hole. Mm. I'll tell you one last thing about the place: the, the, go- the golf course. And Dan, it was on the west side of of the highway. You know, Main Street and Moose Jaw becomes the highway going north out of Moose Jaw. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah, on I the east that. side of the highway was the Moose Jaw Golf and Curling Club. On the other side was Lindbrook. That was the name of it. When I was a kid, I used to bicycle through that golf course or you know around it to get to my course to go to work. There was a guy that worked at the Lindbrook Lindbrook Golf Course who had no no voice he had a voice box thing like one of oh right those old uh, in the in the day used to scare the shit out of us because you'd go to the pro shop to pay your like whatever two dollars for green fees and you go all right fellas (laughs) it was this thing he put up against his throat so he could talk to you tell me that isn't you know one of those things where you see in a movie you're like oh yeah the guy with the the there was a little almost like a flashlight that he put up against his um throat to speak how crazy yeah, is that shit be crazy oh yeah. my god dear like a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old my mom had a friend who didn't have a nose mm. <laughs> same thing it was weird <laughs> and another guy who had a hair lip what do you mean he didn't have a nose didn't have a note like it, it it was cancer or something and it was like gone it was lopped off it was oh, just okay. like a couple of holes in his thing yeah yeah well that happened tell me as a kid that wasn't freaky oh yeah hey mister what happened to your nose well yeah and this guy going all right fellas how many guys are <laughs> that's how it that's how it came out sounding it sounded like a little robot all right and he, mm-hmm. and he would have to push it against it anyway my mom had a friend who had a hair lip and he would tell jokes and it was just even as a kid, I, I didn't understand the jokes, but I would laugh at his delivery. Mm. And, and yeah, I remember they used to, I forget his name. He used to say, oh, tell us that one. Tell us this one. And the way he would tell them with his sort of handicap, I guess you would call it, made people laugh. Nice, eh? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> On display, so to speak. In the 60s and into the 70s. But I do recall there being a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, a lot more of that. Yes, you're like right. People with no noses and, and hair, more uh, hair lips and cleft palates and voice boxes from a battery, you know? You know, we used to often see people, you know, maybe through the war or whatever, lost yeah. a limb. Yes. They would have just hooks for arms. I remember that as a kid. Now they have the odd prosthetics. Yes, it's uh, much yes. more advanced. Yes, but just I remember in the guy had reach out and he could open the hook to grab something and it was be like, wow. Oh, no. Yeah, we come a long way. Well, there's a lot of again, again, growing up in the prairies, a lot of people, a lot of a lot more farm accidents and things, you know, people oh, losing. Yeah, you'd slide under a combine <laughs> happened all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just I sometimes you and I are talking. What happened to you? I fell under dad's combine. Figure it out. I put my arm in a threshing machine. What does it look like? People did that. They put their hand. They get their. They would get their 
the coat, the uh, some part of their shirt or a coat caught in machinery and get sucked into it. Well, Howard, that story last year. In fact, there was a guy. The city came and um, sort of pruned the tree at the front of my house the other day, and they had one of those wood chipper things, and the guy's feeding it, and I could see his arm going in it, and I'm thinking, man, I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah. Because I was thinking of that story, I think, just last year in Oshawa. The arborists were out in Oshawa working on a tree, and the guy gets sucked right into the wood chipper. That happens, man. Can you imagine man. that? Oh, Jesus. And you know what? That shit's real. One minute you're talking, what do you want at Hortons? And the next minute, the guy is in a wood chipper. Like, oh, it's, wow. it's interesting what you're, you're talking about. Like things that happen to people, like when they lose a limb or something. It, what's the, uh, the appropriate thing to do when you first meet someone and, or know them for a little bit? When, at what point do you ask them what happened? Because uh, Great question. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's first of all, you're like, well, I'm, I'm going to pretend I don't really notice because I don't want him to feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I've noticed that, you know, he doesn't have a leg or something, right? But at some point, you feel like you have to ask and say, well, what the hell happened? And why are you, you know? Honestly, that's one thing I've noticed about Howard over the years. He will ask those questions. And there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, often, I Howard, do. wouldn't you say it Absolutely. puts people at ease? Absolutely. It puts them at ease. Now that's out of the way. 100%. And I think that's a... No, I've noticed that about you. Because you know, here's the thing. It's because of what Dan Why are you said. walking funny? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Why do you have a stump? Um, because, because I'm doing it for two reasons. One, to make them feel comfortable. And then, to, and then so that, as Dan said, so that you don't feel uncomfortable. Like, hey, we've known each other for months. Uh, and I've never asked you why you don't have a hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then it becomes uncomfortable because exactly. you've known each other for months and you haven't asked the question. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I can't ask it now because I've never asked it before. Well, yeah. I thought you'd never ask. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the old days, I might say something about Dan Duran and knowing you and how I, you know, asked right away why you're certain things are a certain yeah. way, but I won't say that now. <laughs> Lumbee and I used to work at a radio station uh, that had a morning man who we didn't like much, but he, uh, he didn't have, he had, you know, uh, one, one of his legs was missing. Mm. So he had a fake Well, that's leg. enough not to like the guy. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Is that why you hated, you, you, I, well, Lumby for sure, but I'm surprised at you, Dan. <laughs> Lumby. Jesus, what happened to his leg? The guy's got no, <laughs> this is he, Lumby. Guy's got no he fucking leg. He can't play baseball. Fuck him. He's got no fucking he, he leg. Did, he didn't like us because we were young whippersnappers. Oh, that's he, right. He was an old country. He, he old used to right. be the rodeo announcing. So he was the rodeo announcer when the rodeo you know guys would come out and you know race barrels and stuff. Is that how he lost his leg in a rodeo? We well, didn't ask. We didn't ask. See, he should have asked right away. You say, should have hey. asked. Should have asked. asked. I would have said, "How did you lose your leg? Where's your leg?" I would actually say it this way: "Where's <laughs> your <laughs> other leg? <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> what did you do with it? You got? Did you preserve it?" Exactly. That makes me laugh, Lemmy. I can't believe this guy's got no fucking leg. What the hell? Has Dan done the news yet? I can't remember. Oh, there's no. I haven't yet. I've got uh, I've got Charlie's dog, uh, Billy here, and it's just a beautiful sunny morning in the in the studio. Stan sleeping on one side of the couch, and Billy sleeping on a pillow on the other side. Oh, just sweet man. That's a sweet dog, dude. Are you going to start playing spa music after the show? No, I'm telling you that uh, the Billy, because you know Dan, you've seen what Stan's like. He's just like a, a, a giant dog cat, like barely is, you know. But when Billy's here, 
Stan acts more like a dog. I've said this to you before. It's almost like yeah. Billy's teaching Dan, uh, Dan, Stan how to act. Um, it makes a big difference because Stan, now because Billy will sit next to you on the couch or whatever, Stan will be hanging around. Like lots of times when, well, you've seen it. When I'm here, like, I have no idea where Stan is. Like, he checks to make sure you're, you're around. And then, and then he's he gone. Does his own thing. Yeah. Goes and stares at a wall somewhere. I'm going to actually go. I make, I'm going to Brampton today. And you, you might think this is weird, and if you do, I don't care. But I'm going all the way to Fred's place because I've heard so much about Danny's dog, Dougie, that I want to meet it. I do. I don't care if you think that's weird, Dan. I'm making. I'm driving all the way there. Yeah, I like to see Fred and Doll. They're sweet. But I really want to meet this dog. So you're doing a meet and greet with with yeah. the dog? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I so know you guys it sounds. Get along? It, it sounds dumb, but I'm doing it. Yeah, he's a neat little guy. I know you're gonna like him. Last night we played tug of war for a long time, and I googled why do dogs love to tug. Why does anyone like hey, to tug? Dan, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's back. It's got something to do with their instincts um, of ripping things apart, attacking and ripping them apart for survival. Um, oh yeah, interest. So it's sad. I mean, fuck. Whether it's true or not, but I found so then you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to encourage that kind of behavior, obviously. Um, I think with a domesticated dog, you don't have to worry yeah. about them becoming ripping. Dan's is so, we're not supposed to encourage that kind of behavior. Having fun and things with, listen, I start every morning, including today, by playing tug of war with Stan while the coffee's being made. We have this what ritual every, yeah. and today, uh, Billy was freaking out because I was throwing this ball for Stan. Then we play, you know, we're trying to grab it. It's, it's called fun, Dan. Just look it up. And what's. My daughter has a dog named Winnie, and it's about the same size as Dougie. And they'll grab something, the two of them, and mm-hmm. like play tug of war with each other. It's fascinating to watch. Right? Dan, it's like, yeah, and they want to win. They want that thing, you know? Do you ever play tug of war um, with yourself from time to time? Wait a minute here. <laughs> that's, that's not talking about size or making. That's just a question. So, like, do I tie a rope up to the banister and then pull at it? <laughs> Whatever. Um, would you guys like to hear a funny little dog joke, a little dog story? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Dan's like, how much longer is this fucking show going to go on? Give me another. Just give me 90 seconds. Here's 90 sure. seconds. Well, of course. Okay. It's, I, I can't wait. This is an example because all three of us love dogs. Even Dan Duran, who can be very dramatic at times. Mm-hmm. This will give you an example of how much we all love our dogs. Borrow your dogs, America. That's crazy. Borrow your dogs, America. Two years ago, my father passed away of cancer. He died, uh, died of cancer two years ago. And uh, so two days after he passed away, my mother said, should we tell the dog? So my mother leaned down to the dog two nights after the dog. He goes, hey, listen, I just want to let you know that uh, Danny passed away two nights ago. After hearing that news, my dad's dog of 15 years climbed up into my dad's favorite chair and passed away that night. Not one of you gave a fuck about my dad. (laughs) Not one of you... Gave two about the man that raised me. 
I told you my dad died and you could hear a pin drop in here. But the second I mentioned a dog that I made up, <laughs> your hearts were broken. Isn't that great? What a fucking great little... So true. What a great... But see, what I love about that is the misdirection of it, because he says it twice. He says, mm-hmm. my dad died. My dad died of cancer. And I've watched that clip a couple times. He does it mm-hmm. on purpose mm-hmm. because and he does it just to emphasize, and there's nothing. But as soon as he says the dog, you heard people go, aw. <laughs> so true, man. Isn't that... Dan, what do you think of that? Uh, is that was that a waste of time? No, I enjoyed that. Thank you for bringing us uh, that uh, particular piece of audio quality entertainment. <laughs> oh, you make me laugh. I enjoyed that, Howard. My, you could I see did. that by the smile on my rigid face. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Ho! Ganderan, the Eggerman comes As for credentials, he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Ganderan, the Eggerman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang, so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from Lisa's house Here he is, movie Anchorman And renowned... Uh, voiceover artist Daniel J. Gibert Duran. Oh, the things that people make money on. And we've talked about this person before. It's an OnlyFans girl, Yasmina Khan, that farts into jars and sells them. Mm. Makes a great living. Makes a great living. Yes. It's not the only thing that she does on a site, but she uh, recently and has recently received some pushback. Uh, she uh, took to Instagram to share an angry message she received from a user. Mm. Why do you post twerking videos? The woman asked. I caught my husband jacking off to your videos. <laughs> it's not right. Then she pleaded with Khan, please put the videos down now. I'm sorry, jacking off to the fart videos? I guess so. Mm-hmm, or twerking really. or whatever she does on the site. So there must have been, uh, you know, like uh, opening a door and there's some husband with a laptop doing yeah, what no. a husband yeah. with a laptop would, I guess. Laptop. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about this woman uh, months ago who farts in a jar and was selling them. Well, now she's expanded her business to videos of her twerking and I guess twerking and forcing out farts or whatever. And she's become quite the uh, quite the celeb that way. And, uh, you know, different things turn on different guys, right? And this yeah. guy was was wanking it to the twerking farts, and his wife caught him. Wow. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, listen, everybody, everything, people have different things, Dan, you know. They do. Everybody has their own thing. Yeah, I guess <laughs> they do. That's right. Yes, they, they do. I don't myself, but I've heard. Mm-hmm. Listen, and man. remember we had the discussion about that would not work. You can't fart in a jar, jar and put the lid on and then send it somewhere and somebody takes the lid off and it smells like a no, fart. Exactly. No way. But guys were getting sucked in. She had sold hundreds of thousands of them. Hmm. Hmm. 
maybe with AI you can create Fred a you know a beautiful woman that mm-hmm. that has an account, and you can mm-hmm. start you know coming up with things to put into jars and sell the people mm. <laughs> like pubes, things like that. Dan, pubes yeah, in a jar, or, <laughs> you know, yes. toenails. I don't know, oh, toenail things. <laughs> How about pubes, Dan? Any pubes? Would you like to put pubes in a jar? Uh, whatever works uh, to make Fred, uh, you know, a decent retirement income. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she, she makes like uh, forty thousand dollars a year from doing that, doing whatever she does. Well, Fred's going to need more than that, Dan. But that, you know, <laughs> I can just tell you right now. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have another story, Daniel? No, that's it. That's, that's well, enough. Dan's had enough. Is that enough? That's enough. I, I did, just a quick one. That did you know that uh, the, you know that Pat Sajak's retiring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw some about that. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's retiring this year. He says forty seasons, and that's enough. But yeah. Anna White is not. She just signed a contract for the twenty five twenty six season, and she's yes. sixty six right now. Kind of dough would Pat Sajak have been making for that show? Oh, oh I don't know. A lot. Um, yeah, she's going to um, stick around for the first year of Ryan Seacrest, I guess. Help Is that who's going to do it? it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Fucking Ryan Seacrest, man. What a career that kid's had. No, that's, uh, yeah, you know, he's, listen, hard worker. And yeah. uh, that's why he loves it, because they, apparently they, you know, tape like yeah, five three, a day. Or four a, three or four a day. And so um, it's it's a way of making still making tons of money, but not having the commitments that he has had traditionally doing morning shows and whatever. Uh, five a day. They do five. They do five shows a day and they tape a whole season in a few months. And that's it. Then the rest of the year mm-hmm. is just uh, swanning around. But Seacrest yeah. has an empire, right? So oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's quit recently, but I think he moved uh, away from New York because wasn't he doing the morning he, show? He was doing yeah, Ka- was Kelly him. and Ryan or some yeah. shit. I've lost Ryan, track of him. Yeah, yeah. And he quit quit that so he could go do this. Or and he was also things. doing morning radio in L.A. for years, like making mm-hmm. huge money. But Pat Sajak, what? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, do you guys remember that he for a very short time in the eighties around? It, there's a bunch of guys tried doing talk shows. Pat Sajak yeah. had one. You know who else mm-hmm. had one that also f- failed miserably is uh, Chevy Chase. Did he really? Yes, he did. Oh. Like um, a daytime? or No, no, no. These were like uh, going up against Carson type shows. Oh, wow. Um, am I not mistaken? Did Chuck Woolery not host Wheel of Fortune before um, Pat Sajak or am I mixed? I don't know, Dan. Dan, could you Google that for Fred while you're looking? What was that again? Anyway. Before Pat Sajak was a Chuck Woolery, and the reason I bring his name up, you know, he's a whack job right winger. Have oh, you yeah. checked out his? Like he is like beyond reason. Oh yeah, this Chuck Woolery dude, and apparently he has this podcast now that's just so fucking out there. <laughs> we should we should get it's, some clips. <laughs> Chuck Woolery's uh, the last thing I saw him doing like legitimately. I think it was him. And for you old younger people, he was just a, a a perennial TV personality of our youth. He was on television right. all the time. But uh, he's the guy. All kinds of game shows. Big all game kinds, show. All of them. Game. Match mm-hmm. game. All this shit. And mm-hmm. uh, the the thing that I've seen him most recently, though, is I think it's on uh, CNN or something, but um, doing advertisements for leg cramp pills. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. He's the leg cramp guy. Yeah. Yeah, he left Wheel of Fortune in 1981. Contract wow. dispute. Lucky for uh, 
Pat Sajak. So what, look up two things. Pat Sajak's salary. Okay. $14 million. $14 million yeah, a year. Looking up. Yeah, yeah, $14 million. Yeah. He's apparently worth $75 million. I don't know how accurate that is, but something like that. He's worth more than uh, a lot, that's for sure. He's worth quite a bit. Yeah. See, first it comes a lot, then quite a bit. It's after mm-hmm. a lot, Dan. Yeah. Thank you for helping me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough show. Is, does anyone have any else? Uh, anything else we should be uh, aware of? Chuck Woolery's 82. Why would he just be such a fucking asshole at 82? Like, well, you know, enjoy yourself. But maybe that's what he that, maybe that's what he enjoys. <laughs> yeah, he listen, does. He does. Hey, listen, mm. we're enjoying that. Why shouldn't he too? <laughs> No, I guess. Uh, let it, uh, who's on the show tomorrow? I'll tell you who's on the show tomorrow. It's very, very busy. Nobody. Nobody, because it's Thursday. Tomorrow is our, <laughs> tomorrow is our, uh, is our very famous email show. If you want to get a few in, you still have time. Humble and Fred. Humble Fred. Sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. Usually you say that. I apologize. Yeah, well, you know, I can just uh, eliminate all. I go ahead, you know. Well, no, it's just tomorrow's email show brought to you by Palma Pasta. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a few minutes uh, after Dan leaves us to take uh, the emails. And thanks again to Lori Love. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. Our email address, and you know we've got a show coming up tomorrow. I don't know if you heard about it. Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. So tell us what you think. Like, subscribe, that helps us out. So does writing a review. We'd like to get more people listening to this incredible piece of entertainment. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, dress codes are loosening up right now. So if you have sweat panties, wear them and enjoy every goddamn day. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?